0: Twitter. Lower. You're listening to the Gator Sports Podcast with your host Zach Alberti, coming in hot, and
1: Graham Hall, jumping, coming smooth, jumping, and the bass gets jumping. Brought to you by the Gainesville Sun and
0: Gatorsports.com.
2: Welcome to another Gator Sports Podcast presented by the Gainesville Sun. I'm your host, Zach Albaverde, joined to my right by Gainesville Sun, Hoop
1: Speed writer, and much more for the Gainesville Sun, Graham Hall. How's it going, my friend? It's going great, Zach. Always my pleasure to be here with you talking all things Gators, football, basketball. A lot going on here in Gainesville, and yeah. I wouldn't want to talk it over with anyone else but you. Yeah, no, not as
2: busy as you typically would be with uh, the last three games for hoops being postponed. We'll get into that in this first segment. In the second segment, we will be joined by former Sun columnist Pat Dooley to discuss what he's been up to, get his take on Gator sports. And in the final segment, we'll discuss you know some other sports that we don't generally don't get to talk about, especially with hoops not being active right now. But, Graham, let's start with that because... The last time that we had a podcast, we were talking about the Gators reeling from that terrible loss to South Carolina and how they could bounce back, and they haven't been able to because they've had
1: three games now postponed. Yeah, we've talked throughout the COVID-19 pandemic about how not following the protocols, not avoiding the virus, can lead to a competitive disadvantage. And this was a Florida team that had a four-game win streak, looked like they had started to figure everything out, and the last week and a half has really been the opposite of what you would like if you were coach Mike White in the Gators had three games postponed as you mentioned Zach who knows when they actually will be able to return because it looked like Florida would have a chance to return to the floor Saturday against Texas A&M but the Aggies also are sidelined due to COVID-19 this is a situation where I'm not sure if they're going to be able to play all of the remaining games or even reschedule all those games yeah but right now their only focus is when they can get back on the court and start padding that tournament resume
2: How do you feel like this time off in the middle of a season, right before the SEC tourney and just them trying to close out their regular season schedule, how will this affect this group, especially coming off that
1: bad loss and having to go now a week with that bad taste in their mouth? I think you can start – stop, restart, whatever you want to call it, a few times. But this is a team that has had to do this multiple times, really since they reconvened for preseason camp back in October. Quarantines have affected players. We've gone into the Keontae Johnson situation at length, having to stop for 18 days, resume. Scotty Lewis, sidelined for 19 days. Colin Castleton missed several games as well. This is a team that, across the board, a lot of guys are used to having to stop, And every time so far, they have returned admirably, fired up, ready to play, ready to attack whatever it is at hand, whether it's a practice or just going right into a game. They've done that well. If they can continue to do that, I I have no doubts about them making the NCAA tournament after what we saw during that four-game win stretch. But it does remain to be seen whether they can just pick up right where they left off, Zach. And you mentioned the NCAA tournament, Graham, I think. After that loss
2: and then these games not being played and an opportunity to get some really key victories... How does that affect Florida's chances in the tourney and where they could be seated? And we saw the latest projections this week from all the bracketology experts and and kind of where Florida stands. And and as of now, they're still making the tournament despite everything that's happened recently. Obviously, that four-game win streak, some of the victories that they were able to get against Tennessee and West Virginia has certainly helped their standing. And you look at where the projections are at now, USA Today Sports, Andy Katz from NCAA.com, they both have Florida as a number 8 seed projected, as well as the Washington Post. You see Joe Linardi from ESPN with the Gators as a 7 seed. They'd be faced uh, against 10 seed North Carolina in his Ooh. bracket. I wouldn't mind that matchup. And then in CBS Sports, Jerry Palm has the Gators still as a number 6 seed and uh, playing Minnesota in his bracket. So at this time, Florida's still in good standing based on where things are at, but... You know, how, how do you feel like their tourney chances kind of stack up right
1: now? I think they're fairly good if they can resume the season. As you just mentioned, with number 10 North Carolina, this has been a very atypical college basketball season. And I really look at some of these top programs who normally rely on freshmen, former four- and five-star guys, underclassmen to come in and carry the load. Those programs seem to be not doing as well as some of these senior-laden teams, teams that have added transfers into the mix, because the development portion was really stifled before the season. I think that's a huge factor to remember. So the fact that Florida, without a senior on their roster, is sitting here looking at six, a seven possible seed if they can resume the season, I think is really impressive. It's more impressive to me, actually, than that four-game win streak is, when you put it in the context. This is a team that, before Keontae Johnson went down, as we've gone over— was undefeated, had a chance to go undefeated in non-conference play. And then you look at the losses, much likelier those games are closer. I'm really impressed with how Florida has looked as a whole this year. And really the biggest adversary for them, as it has been for everyone, has been the virus. And the fact that they're in NCAA tournament contention is impressive to me alone. And
2: right now the Gators stand at 10-5 and five with their overall record, 6-4 and four in SEC play. And hopefully if they can get back on the court, the next time that that will be is at Arkansas on February 16th. That's a 7 p.m. tip. And you look at the Gators' remaining schedule after Arkansas. They would be at home against Georgia. They'd go on the road against Auburn, on the road against Kentucky, and then close out the regular season against Missouri. Graham, if they can play those five games at 10-5 and five right now, How do you feel like they need a fair if they can get all those games
1: in? I really only think they need two, maybe three victories under their belt still. You look at Missouri, that may be honestly the toughest game left on their schedule. That Tigers team is much more competitive than I would say this Wildcats team is. If they can go on the road, beat Kentucky, reschedule that LSU or that Tennessee game, you know, it's important to remember that the SEC realized that this was a possibility. Dealing with COVID-19, you're going to have some reschedulings. You're going to have some postponements. They left that last week of the season open to reschedule one of those games. If you can add LSU back or a top 25 Tennessee team Yep. go on the road and to Knoxville and maybe beat them, you're in the tournament in my book. I already do think that they're in as long as they can get two more wins, but you would love to see them padded a little bit more. My big question, though, Zach, is if we're going to see a regular SEC tournament. That is something I think a lot of people maybe aren't understanding right now. We could see some opt-outs as well, so the field may get a little bit lighter, but that's getting a little bit ahead of the game.
2: Yeah, and obviously if they can... Just having an SEC tourney after what happened last year. I think folks are looking forward to that. Definitely looking forward to the Gators getting back on the court. And now we're going to look forward to our next segment with Pat Dooley to catch up with him, what he's been up to, and get his take on Gator sports. We'll be right back after this break. joined by the one and only Pat Dooley on the Gator Sports Podcast, what used to be the Dooley Noted Podcast, and now there's another Dooley Noted Podcast, but we're happy to welcome Pat on here and uh, talk some off-season stuff. Pat, how's it going, my friend?
0: There may be too many podcasts out there in this world. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it seems like everybody's got one. Every time I go over to Freddie's office, somebody else is recording a podcast. So It's but, the new uh, world, man. It's the yeah, new way. It is. It is. It you is. Know? Writing is taking a turn for the worst.
2: Well, the good thing is, obviously, with all your years in radio, you're kind of set up for this podcast stuff. And um, I know everyone wants to still hear from you, man, and what you've been up to. And, um, you know, we'll have a chance to discuss all that here on the show. But I wanted to start with, you know, obviously, when football season, you know, your last game that you did, obviously things were going great for the Gators. You kind of got out, you and Robbie, at the perfect time. Because after that, they finish a year with a three-game losing streak.
0: Yeah, they haven't won a game since we left. Um, <laughs> I think that's appropriate. But, um, no, I was actually able to go to that game, um, and the LSU game. They they got us seats, and that was really nice. Everything they did was really nice. But the way they lost that game made me remember why I went into the business, because it was a great story. But if you're a fan, it was a terrible story. So, <laughs> you know, but it's easy to write about. It's not as easy to stomach and deal with and live with for the next few days. So. That was, uh, and then of course, uh, you know, you knew they would lose to Alabama. The fact they held it close, I think, made a lot of people proud of that team and said, "Hey, that—that's how close Florida is to being special and getting into the playoffs." And then you start thinking back in the LSU game, what if they had won that one, especially if they'd won it comfortably like they should have? And then uh, they just decide, "Well, that's it. We're done. Season's over, and uh, to go play a New Year's Six bowl game, which." I don't know. I I just, I think you guys agree with me. I think, I think Dan Mullen needs a good PR summer because there wasn't a lot of good PR coming his way for a lot of different things this, uh, this past year.
2: No, absolutely. And then the off season, it's still been some, some busy happenings with, with his program, given all the transfer news and then the coaching hires. And, and obviously a name that was kind of floated out there was, was Charlie strong at one point and, uh, I, we saw today that he was announced officially with the Jacksonville Jaguars as the associate head coach as well as the linebackers coach. Um, What would you make of, of kind of what Mullen went through in the offseason in terms of some of his shakeups on the defensive staff and Charlie Strong ending up in Jacksonville?
0: Well, I, I, I think that Mullen kind of went after some guys uh, that he thought would be exceptional, but he knew he was going to have to give them titles, much in the way that that uh, Urban Meyer gave Charlie that title. I mean, Charlie doesn't want to just go back and be a, a position coach at at college, and, or even in Florida, as much as he loves Florida, he'd he'd rather be living here than anywhere else. Um, but you know, they it just wasn't compatible. The uh, situations with uh, T. Rob and Tavarius Robinson, and the situation with Charlie and 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 both of them with Grantham, they just. I don't think they felt like they were going. there was going to be core cool coordinators. They felt like there was going to be one guy who was not going to be happy and one guy who was. So yeah, uh, it, it just wasn't – it didn't work out. And so basically Dan has put all of his eggs in that Grantham bucket. Um, and you hope it's not third and long very often. Yeah,
1: absolutely not. You know, Pat, there's been so much still happening here in Gainesville. And obviously you're still keyed on to what is happening around the Florida program. How about you tell everyone now – who has been reading us and listening to us here, the Gainesville Sun? What you're doing now, and you mentioned all too many podcasts out there. You're still giving your takes, and where can they find those?
0: Obviously, my goal was to get away from the grind. When when Robbie and I both retired, uh, the grind being, you know, as you guys know, going on the road for games and and having to come up with stuff all the time. And I think more than anything, I wanted to be able to leave my phone in the other room and not freak out.
1: Whew, you know,
0: yeah. it had gotten to the point where it, you know. You had to have the phone – you should have it sewed onto your your arm because you need it all the time. And now something happens, and I go – and I find out about it two days later, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> so that part of it is what I was trying to get away from. And But the part I didn't want to get away from was doing radio with, with, with uh, Jeff Cardozo every weekday, four to six, on RUF. And I want to do a little bit of writing, which I'm doing for WRUF as well, a front nine and a back nine. I'm doing a newsletter for the uh, Alumni Association. So I hear from alumni all the time about uh, things I've written for them. And then I'm doing this podcast, uh, which is Monday and Friday, uh, two to three. And uh, we're having fun with that. We're getting great guests for that as well. So we're staying busy. Um, and I like being busy. I'm busy enough that I'm not overworked and I'm but I'm not, you know, like my wife said, if you retire, when well, I was thinking about retiring, if you retire, all you're going to do is drink and play golf. And I told her, and that's wrong because. And uh, then she explained to me why it was wrong. But anyway, <laughs> I'm still playing a little bit of golf. But but I um, yeah no I, I like all the stuff I'm doing. It's fun. It's everything I'm doing is it's uh, stuff I like doing and not the stuff I just needed to get away from.
2: Absolutely. And obviously, once you got away, you left uh, poor Arnold Feliciano with the tall task of trying to replace you as a columnist. And I think, you know, all of our readers and listeners were waiting to see who that was going to be. And they were able to bring David Whitley on on staff and just wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about him because I know you you know David really well.
0: Yeah, that was a uh, that was a home run hire. I mean, I I liked the guy a lot in the first place. Um, We've been friends for a long time. And uh, you know, we talked a little bit about what the job w- it w- is like now. It's a different job than the job I had 10 years ago, or 15 years ago, or 20 years ago, where you have to do different things, and you've got to do a lot of different, uh, you know, be on a lot of different platforms. And uh, you know, I told him what what he should expect, and he, uh, I knew he'd do well. The first column he wrote, I laughed out loud three times. So uh, that's exactly what I expected from him, and I know he's going to do. Really well, and um, you know, I, I have no doubt. It's kind of like when I quit being sports editor there. But when our every once in a while, Arnold would come to me and ask me a question: What what would I do? What would How did you do it? Then, and that's kind of with with me and Dave, our relationship. He'll come to me and say, "Hey, uh, can you give me a good Becky Burley story?" You know, uh, stuff like that. So, believe me, there's no uh, no envy. There's no um, jealousy. I'm just thrilled that. They, they made a good hire, and not, I I was afraid that you never know who, who's going to come down the pike.
1: I want to get your take on the Florida basketball program because you and I had been to games together covering the team for several years in the past. What do you make of the job that Mike White has done this season since Keontae Johnson fell down, collapsed?
0: Yeah, it, I – I mean, there have been times when you think he's doing, he may be, in fact, I remember before the South Carolina game, there was a lot of like buzz. He might be SEC coach of the year, Mm. Uh, but then they lose that game. And then I haven't played for three games. And I think all that buzz has totally gone away. Um, They seem to, for some reason, have one of those games every year where they just, it's an inexplicable loss and it's every year. If it was once in a while, you get it, but, Look, I I'd also be- believe that Mike gets a, a bit of a pass this year. I mean, when you're when – you're, if you're player of the year candidate, the guy who was SEC preseason player of the year, blows his knee out in game three, that's one thing. When he dies on court in game three, that's another thing. And, and you've got to get this team back and make them understand – that they've got to go forward uh, when they probably – there were times when they probably didn't want to. So, I mean, I think he's done fine. I think he's turned these big men – I think Al Pickens has done a good job turned these big men into forces, but they still – you know, the, the the hard part is it's almost like uh, with uh, last year's basketball team and last year's baseball team, your last memory is not a good one. <laughs> you yeah. know, and, and unfortunately – you can't put an end to it. You can't stop it because there's no games being played. So for right now, we think Gator basketball, we think, oh, yeah, team lost to South Carolina instead of the team that beat West Virginia on the road and destroyed Tennessee. I mean, they're, we'll just see where they end up and, and how much – because there's going to be a tournament one way or another. They're going to figure it out some way or another. They may have to bubble everybody starting next week. but But I think Florida will still make it to the tournament. They lost some good – Certainly addicts uh, and playing Texas a and at home was not going to help them. But at Tennessee, at LSU, could have helped them.
1: Well, one tournament that is going to be a certainty is the Dooley Invitational. Yes. A few years ago, Pat, I thought you were going to hang it up, call it quits in that regard as well. Not just here at the Gainesville Sun, but Dooley Invitational lives on. Why don't you tell everyone what you got planned this year?
0: Yeah, well, we uh, had to cancel it last year or postpone it. We just couldn't do it, and um, it was just didn't make any sense. Uh, this year, we think people are a little more comfortable, a little more vaccinated, certainly. We think we'll be able to do a, a smaller group, probably be 100 players. Uh, we already had 10 groups in from that had already paid and didn't want their money back because they wanted to wait till we played it again. We don't expect it to be – uh, what it has been just in terms of what we can get for prizes, just in terms of what we can get, uh, in terms of vendors on the course, but we're going to do the best job we can to have a great tournament. And I think people, the reason I didn't end it after 25 was I had too many people come to me and say, you've got to play this tournament. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course the fact that it benefits stop children's cancer, which very important to me. And, um, you know, we give them all the money, every cent we get. So I know they're excited about having it again this year as well. Absolutely, I know you're excited now. I mean, with some more free time, right? You
2: have a chance to get out there on the golf course with with uh, SOS again, right?
0: I played a little bit yesterday, but man, the, uh, I went out to Ironwood. And it was packed. You couldn't get it. Couldn't get around. uh We get these days of weather that's why we live in Florida. Is this is considered the middle of summer in some places? But. Um,
2: if you got on the green with Spurrier again, would he try to take your money?
0: I oh, mean, yeah. That's... We played about, I want to say, about a month ago, and he won, he won money for me. I, <laughs> yes. I don't think I paid him yet either, and that that could be steaming him a little bit. Oh, I did you, see where he got his second back and I'm hoping to get mine Saturday. And if I get that, then there'll be a lot more golf. You know he hasn't forgot either. <laughs> no, no, no. No, 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 no. I know that, yeah.
1: <laughs> I think he owed me $3. <laughs> don't let him forget it either
2: well we're definitely not going to forget you Pat uh, obviously it was great to hear from you again we definitely wanted to bring you on and let our listeners hear your voice again let them know where they can find you and uh, definitely we'll keep this up in the future
0: again my man absolutely anytime you guys need me and uh, I know uh, everything's going to keep going well there and so uh, good luck with everything alright alright
2: Great stuff there from Pat. Always good to catch up with him and see what he's been up to. And not a lot going on with this football team, Graham. Obviously, they're busy with the offseason workouts with Nick Savage getting ready for spring ball. We did get some news on them scheduling their homecoming game October 9th against Vanderbilt. So, everybody, mark your calendars for that. And then also mark your calendars about a decade in advance for another home-and-home series that was announced this past week, the Gators scheduling an away game and a home game with Notre Dame, 2031 and 2032. So, a long way off, obviously, but... You look at the slate of games that they've set up here the last couple of years, Graham. It's, it's impressive, and it's a lot to look forward to.
1: Yeah, Zach, I, I know there's a lot of other 20-year-olds, 28-year-olds, whatever you want to call it, who are actually planning midway into their 30s for the first time. You look at that 2031-2032 schedule there, really impressive what Florida <laughs> has lined up. I know that there was kind of a unfair... Reputation may be fair. Some people may say that Florida really didn't play games outside of their home state. You go back to that Michigan game, how they've played at Cowboy Stadium a few years. They've made attempts to amend that. Now, a decade down the line, I hope we are still covering this team because Texas, Arizona State, Notre Dame, Florida State, it's going to be hard to compete with that non-conference schedule for the Gators that they have lined up, and no one's going to be able to make the argument that when you combine the SEC games they're going to play – They may have the toughest schedule in the nation a decade from now, Zach.
2: And look, guys, some of these games are not that far away. Definitely Notre Dame is, but, I mean, look, that Utah matchup, that's 2022, folks. We're in 2021. I mean, it's not that far away from the UTs coming to the Swamp, the Gators go to Utah in 2023 you got the home and home that was scheduled with Miami in 24 and 25 and then really starting to look far into the future you got the home and home with Cal 2026 and 2027 along with the home and homes that start with NC State in 2026 but the gators don 't host them until two thousand and thirty two so a big gap between that and then there 's also the trips to Colorado and arizona state and texas i mean there 's just a lot to look forward to and on that slate, but you mentioned two thousand and thirty one graham that 's really going to be ten years from now a season that everyone looks forward to with the trip to Texas, a trip to Notre Dame and arizona state so And obviously, Graham, it's never too early to start looking at Airbnbs and where you might want to stay if you take some of those trips, but definitely some games in the near future to look forward to coming up here at UF and some other sports and some teams getting ready to kick off their season. And one team that's already got their year in effect, ranked number one, Gymnastics, got a big meet coming up this weekend.
1: Yeah, Zach, this spring I've had a chance not only to cover Florida football and basketball, but gymnastics as well the number one ranked team in the country has posted the top score in the nation the number three score in the nation started with a 4-0 record and now they go on the road to face one of the top gymnastics programs of the last decade but a little bit different dd bro who has been there for so long no longer coaching that lsu team Jay Clark, in his first year there with the Tigers, they're still number two in the country, and the number one Gators head there this weekend after a week off to battle. It's the Link First Tigers event. It benefits cancer research, so a big one as well. Coach Jenny Rowland, a whole roster full of depth. We've seen performances from Megan Skaggs, a senior who didn't really have a a chance before this year to step up, as well as Trinity Thomas, who everyone knows, one of the best gymnasts in the entire nation. So if you have a chance to watch that, that event starts Friday night, 7.15 p.m. at Maravich Center there in Baton Rouge.
2: And then obviously, Graham, next week we'll get into some baseball preview as the Gators get ready to start their season against Miami in their brand-new ballpark, but also the UF softball team and Tim Walton's program getting ready to kick off their season. Let's know where the Gators kind of stack up right now going into the season.
1: Yeah, this is a top-10 softball program for the Gators once again, which really no stranger to top-10 programs here. competed for national championships, won several years ago. They've been overtaken in recent years by Oklahoma, several other programs, UCLA. But this is a competitive team. Like everyone else last year, they started in the top 10, won 20 games before everything got shut down. They brought a whole lot back in their bullpen. Coach Tim Walton thinks this team is extremely loaded. It's a little bit different of a start this year. Normally when they head down to Tampa, it's to play in an invitational. Last year was the USF Rawlings Invitational. But they're getting right to it. This year they're jumping in with a three game series against USF really a competitive way to jump in because when you go on the road and you a stacked team you really don't give other teams a chance to scout you ahead of time when you're playing a three game series that's been determined this far down the line it gets a little bit more interesting here so I'm looking forward to seeing this one start Saturday with a double header at USF before the final game on Sunday looking forward to see how Florida softball season starts out Zach.
2: And then, Graham, there's another top 10 UF team that's getting ready to open their season this weekend. Gators lacrosse will travel to Louisville to start their season. Graham, how's this team kind of looking right now heading into 2021?
1: Like the softball team, depth all around. They had the preseason attacker of the year in Brianna Harris, goalkeeper of the year in Sarah Resnick. Uh, you obviously know about Shannon Cavanaugh, Trombetta. This is a team with a lot of talent across the board. We saw a little bit of them in action throughout the fall season. But really, this is a team that has been more so than I think a lot of others, Zach, been really antsy. To get back on the field, if, if you know how things went for them last year, they got over the metaphorical hump, and that is Maryland. Maryland had won 86 games at home going back to 2012. Before the Gators went on the road last year and beat number one Maryland in their home place, and then Florida had a chance to beat another number one team right before that shutdown in North Carolina. So this team, with almost everyone back, really has some a void to fill. When we talk to Coach Amanda O'Leary, they really have some unfinished business, and and that's how this thing is going to shape up on Saturday. That's what they're approaching it for, is building on last year's foundation when they go on the road and start the season Saturday at Louisville. Really looking forward to the 17-game season. It's going to be a very competitive one. And as we mentioned, so much going on in Gainesville, that volleyball, numerous other small yeah. sports that we don't have too much of a chance to talk to because we have so much we always got to get to with fo- football and basketball.
2: Yeah, and Scott Strickland, Florida's Athletics Director, made sure to tweet that on Thursday after the news came out with Florida postponing their game with AM. You know, he said it's an extended break for the basketball team, but still a lot of Gator sports this weekend. He mentioned volleyball, women's basketball, women's tennis, Gators gym, obviously on Friday night, the Gators golf men's tournament this weekend and then we talked about the season openers uh, as well so still a lot going on hopefully when we join you guys next week we will have a basketball game against Arkansas to recap with this team getting back on the court and we'll also look ahead to Florida baseball and that season starting and a brand new ballpark that I'm sure a lot of fans are looking forward to seeing so that'll do it for this episode appreciate Pat Dooley for joining us for Graham Hall I'm Zach Alboverde